Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. The Brooklyn Combine, um, we're uh, back. Uh, this week, we'd like to um, open up a new topic and segment on violence. I feel like um, violence is a very um, prevalent uh, issue in our lives. It has a historical significance being in America and Western culture. So, you know, we want to we talk about violence. Who's here today, by the way? Barn is here. Who else? Rudy. Keith. Philip. <laughs> tech guy, tech tech extraordinaire, Philip. That's what's up, man. Keep it going. It's a nice shirt you got on there. I know. Too, Keep it going. It's cool. We don't want no violence to Yo, pop off. Yeah, we really don't. <laughs> we really don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, but on a serious note, um, what do y'all think about violence? Um, I mean, I think that you can't have a conversation about America, American history, without using the term violence, right? And I think that there is no distinction between American history and violence. Mm -hmm. American history is rooted in um, physical violence mm -hmm. that, the, um, that the Puritans and the, 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 um, the first settlers mm -hmm. um, enacted upon the native indigenous people that were here, mm -hmm. um, the economic violence that the colonialists um, uh, imposed upon um, people who were poor, uh, the, uh, the social violence that imperialists imposed upon, um, people who were in a lower class. And so the history of America is violence. The roots and culture of America is violence. And so, um, it's, you know, you, you know, one of the things, a hallmark of an insecure person is a violent person. Mm -hmm. People who typically are the most insecure or feel the most vulnerable will react and respond in a way that's violent. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, some of these mass shootings, you know, these 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 grave acts of violence mm -hmm. are being enacted by people who are insecure or or, or in fear or in fear. fear. Yeah. And, right. and and it's funny because when I think about it, it's like you can really like draw a timeline with it mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. each century each decade um you know uh, america went from being this um, experiment utopia to being the most powerful uh nation in modern history all mm -hmm. due mm -hmm. to violence of course. Right. um uh, you know civil war the war against the british the colonization mm -hmm. of the of from the um, Native American indigenous people, mm -hmm. um, Spanish American, Spanish American yeah. war. Mm -hmm. um, the the you know when the other European nations got out of the slave trade mm -hmm. uh, because of what our, our brethren in, in Haiti were doing and mm -hmm. sisters, America said, "Nah, we prepare for that. We, right. we understand violence. Um, the cowboy culture has permeated everything in American society." Jim Crow was Jim violent. Crow was violent. Was um, the Red Summers, the lynchings, right. de facto segregation, like everything that you put your your finger on in this country, the the labor the labor movement right. here. Right. Um, what was happening to not just black and indigenous people? What was happening to those European immigrants when right. they first arrived here? Right. Um, the the relationship between law enforcement and the history of the slave militias, mm -hmm. um, the fact that there has to be at least 300 million guns in this country. Mm -hmm. And not just in this country, you know, a lot of people, if you look at what's going on, one of the many things that's going on with the Trump organization. So in the last week, um, there was no congressional authorization of mm -hmm. bombing mm -hmm. Syria. We talked about Syria right. early in the week, but there was no congressional 
mm-hmm. um, action. It was just done. Right. Um, America has made a, a, a real history of preemptively striking people. Mm-hmm. Um, the b- first black American president has killed U.S. citizens with no due process through right. drones. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's like, for me, what's interesting is how it now, how the black community, we mirror what we think violence is. I was just about to say, because when, when we think of like, you know, a lot of people listening will probably go to, you know, you know gang violence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. local, you know, violence in right. your neighborhood or whatever. And when you look at that, it is a reflection, I think, of a long history mm-hmm. of people right. who have been really sort of preyed upon right. in many ways and, I mean, you know, had that right. violence inflicted on them. I mean, it's 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 expected, right? That um, the oppressed typically perpetuate um, what the oppressor is doing, mm-hmm. and so gang violence is just a carrying on. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, what our responsibility is, our responsibility is to um, to violence is to not perpetuate it and to not uh, replicate it in a way or not enact it upon ourselves. And about and and upon other people, but the way that the way that you do that right is um, systematically rejecting the type of violence mm-hmm. that um, that is expected to be perpetuated by us, right? And I'm not talking about gang violence. Like the idea of people get banding together with like minds, like interests, is not anything foreign. That's not anything. There's nothing criminal about people getting together who have like-minded interests. Um, and so, but the idea that um, I'm going to place my comfort, my desire for comfort over your desire for comfort is what makes things wrong. And I think that, um, again, going back to the history and the roots and culture of America, right? It's always been about trying to get comfortable at somebody else's expense, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come here, I'm going to set up shop, I'm going to mm-hmm. build homes, on this land, if it was Brooklyn, it's Lenape land, right? right. Like the, 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 the indigenous people that were here. I'm building homes on your land because it's going to make me and my family comfortable, regardless of what <laughs> that means to you, That's crazy. right? Uh, if it means I'm going to go lie to these black people and tell them that if they fight in my war for independence from England, right, I'm going to give them their freedom, but I'm not, yeah. right? And so th- that's a form of violence. And so I think that... Um, you know, there is, I think that when people talk about gangs and gang culture, they like to put the responsibility sure. on the oppressed. But I think it's important for us as we control our own narrative and control the narrative that is that that is America. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to make sure that we, we, we put the responsibility squarely on the oppressors and we take responsibility for our freedom. You, you know yeah. what I struggle with, and I have a lot of thoughts on violence. I, mm-hmm. I feel like my whole life has been filled with violence right. at, at certain points. What I struggle with is when you study history and what's happened to a lot of oppressed people, but I take uh, us, for example, as a, as a race of people, um, America was o- like ultra-violent. Mm-hmm. Western culture was ultra-violent against us. And they put us in a position where it was so that we deserve that violence because we had no humanity. Mm-hmm. No one's really ever checked the European world over the violence that they've caused mm-hmm. on, in modern history. Um, you know, and, and you look at the violence that's dis- administered around the world, mm-hmm. people of color, of some hue of color, are usually on the receiving end of that. Um, but because we believe so much in white supremacy mm-hmm. and we don't question it, that the order of things have remained the same for a very long time. And sometimes I struggle and I sit back and I think, wow, how could this system be put into place for hundreds of years and everyone agree to it? I get violence. And sometimes what I struggle with is that the only thing that language that maybe black people and and other people of color could have done is violence Mm -hmm. to prevent what happened to them. But the dangerous thing about taking on the the tools of your oppressor is that 
you you sort of become the thing that you don't want to be that you are, you hate or you're you're fighting against. Well, I think it's our responsibility to be an affront to white supremacy. Everything that we do, like for example, I you know I had to meet with a client today, and um, one of her one of her partners is this really wealthy white lady up in um, up on Park Avenue. She's mm-hmm. like a penthouse on Park Avenue, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my first instinct was to kind of dress up, like, you know, put on a nice, like, put on mm-hmm. a nice whatever, um, blazing slacks or whatever, as if I'm pretending to go to court or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, like, I'm going to her house. Why am I, like, why am I dressed mm-hmm. like, no. Mm-hmm. I put on some jeans. Like, I put on what I wear when I'm going to somebody's house. Um, and was very intentional about being, put being, like, about confronting these concepts and these ideas that I need to dress up for rich, white, wealthy people, right? Um, and so, um, you know, and, and, and listen, the, the, the thing that I'm going to be very intentional about is being intelligent, being competent, being smart, being capable, and, um, and, and being um, artful in making sure that I'm not um, damaging people, mm-hmm. right? And do and in doing that, um, it's gonna be you know it's gonna be those moments where I'm like you know what, I'm not but I'm not dressing it up, I'm not making it look like anything else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than what it is. It, it, it's funny because I'm thinking I'm sitting here thinking about even violence. Like mm-hmm. growing up, I, I grew up. Um, my dad was uh, came from the deep south and, and had a beautiful man that was broken mm-hmm. by American society. Right. So he didn't quite know how to deal with my mom in personal relationships, and it often turned into violence um from a child young child i I woke up to banging rumbling um then you go outside you got to make it from crown heights to brownsville and back Mm -hmm. without getting some violence on you right um as you grow over older you get those moments where those defining moments where you're watching it and, and and you're seeing it and you're observing it and one of the most defining moments for me that makes me as a person is watching or being a witness to one of my uncles get killed by the other uncle, shotgun, mm. shot him in the head. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. In that scenario, um, I remember the smell, I remember the temperature, I remember how I felt. And from that moment on, what I realized about violence as I continued to see many levels of violence growing up, um, and through all the way up to college, um, and then from a profession, mm-hmm. from several sides of it, violence creates a surreal environment mm-hmm. where you almost, you understand your mortality, and as a result, it's also almost a freedom about it. And it also is a realization that we're not as evolved as a human race as we think and anything can happen so now when you multiply that with poverty um lack of education Mm -hmm. serious mental issues emotional issues um resources lack of resources all all types of things you know that that creates a hot mess and it's almost like what france fanon has talks about is that for for those who are colonized Violence is one of the, the few weapons that you have. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking in the modern era and where we're at with how things are so layered and complicated. Um, it's interesting seeing on a daily basis how violence is manifested and we all normalize to it. Here's the thing, though. And I, you know, and I, I, I think that um, it just re- reminds me of the, the, uh, the time that Angela Davis was asked by the Swedish... Um, mm-hmm. Swedish journalist mm-hmm. and she was asked uh, you know what is she you know about violence mm-hmm. and she and she looked at them like with this incredulous look like how, like for you to even ask me that question lets me know that you don't even really know what violence is mm-hmm. and so I, I think that um, it's important for us to also contextualize w- what violence is when you are defending yourself against your oppressor mm-hmm. you're not being violent no right you like when violence is being enacted upon you and you're responding to it mm-hmm. in defending yourself or defending your community mm-hmm. that's not violence no that's self defense but and then look at where we this this world is very uncomfortable with 
black men, black women, people of color defending themselves. Right. That's a problematic. Um, a couple more, you know, points. We're going to take a break, but you know, we also live in an environment where our oppressor sells the most weapons around the world. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you look at what Trump is doing now, you know, Obama was selling weapons across the world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump obviously is turning it up in our neighborhoods. Uh, violence and police presence has always been the marker for us to, to stay in a certain place. Our children go to school. They, the discipline um, effect at school almost neuters our children. So at some point, a paradigm has to come out of all of this through history, through modern day observation that has intellect and um, has, has, has breath to put us in a different space because the violence that we have become accustomed to is it, it's sold as dysfunction to us. Mm-hmm. Yo, nigga, I'll kill you. Fuck you looking at, nigga. Yo. And we in a wild space. And it, I mean, you remember, like, growing I mean, I know we got to go to break, mm-hmm. but just remember, like, growing up in Brownsville, right? Like, <laughs> the, when you you walking down the street, somebody's walking down the opposite side of the street mm-hmm. of you, you're going to stand him in the face. face. Until he look away, right. you're not gonna yep. look away. If he's walking in, if y'all walking on the same path, you're not moving. You're it's gonna, gonna bump. You're gonna bump him. It's gonna be a bump, mm-hmm. and that's just what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the train, you're sitting across from somebody, and they looking at yep. you. You're gonna stare at them stare. until they look away. So, and somebody like even in our environment, you know what? I want somebody. Maybe we gotta kick it with our brother Jamel Shabazz. I would love, in in conjunction with the combine, I would love to do a book where we start recording all the people in our communities have died from violence whether it's been a bump whether it's you know what Nas and them talk about accident murderer somebody killed a sneaker a stare Mm -hmm. but you know all right we're gonna take a break starting a series on violence um and right now what we're talking about is the history of violence the history of violence violence not only in the u.s but globally and how it actually got to us um so i'm just curious how did violence in the u.s begin or do we need to go further back i mean isn't that the nature of america america was the home of like listen if I might be wrong about this, but I remember Europe was getting rid of its its uh, prisoners, its its, its bad stock, mm-hmm. dumped them in a new country. Yeah, that was Australia. Australia, yeah. Yeah. Australia. Here too. Well, here was more of a religious uh, per- yeah. Puritans. Puritans, and, but it is the same concept in that you know the undesirable. Yeah, the undesirable. <laughs> but for me, I look at it like this, right? Most Americans are afraid. To take actions because of what? Violence. The fear of violence mm-hmm. from the state. Mm-hmm. We've been cultivated as human beings because of American culture, which is a part of Western culture, which is European culture when we say that, has gotten all of its beauty, um, architecture, high science, high art, high finance. Mm-hmm. Because of violence, the the, death, the 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 there is no distinction or separation between 
the history or American history and violence. Uh, it is it's the American history is synonymous with violence. With violence. So, so what happens is when you have people who are not who are undesirables in Europe, they decide that they need to come to the new land, which is um, which is now commonly referred to as America. This white they, utopia. They come to America. There are people here. Their goal is to demolish those people and, and put them under dominion. That is violence, right? Mm-hmm. Then, when that's not good enough, and now they don't want to be tied to their colonial, um, to their colonial roots back in Europe, they they these propertyed and rich white people now convince poor white people that the enemy is their colonial masters, and so they get them to turn on their colonial masters. So. And the way that they do that is they do that with um, propaganda, with flyers. But backed up, ultimately, fake violence. No, 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 but it's all violence. All violence. It's but, all violence. But, but even that, they do that and they subjugate. No, they first remove the indigenous people here right. through trickery, chicanery, and violence. Mm-hmm. They and then kill and subjugate people of African descent. To build the wealth in the company, mm-hmm. I mean, the company, country, that was a yeah. 40 and slip. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But through violence. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when they achieve that, the country is now in this position of wealth and power mm-hmm. where they can now deal with the rest of the world, mm-hmm. their fellow European um, relationships and all this other stuff, enemies through violence. They're prepared for World War One. they're right. prepared but, for Korean War. But they're don't prepared forget. Don't forget, they, they they basically do it under the guise also of um, you have the, the church and state. So yeah, now they're, right. they're, through religion and faith, yeah. they prey on the you know the natives who are you know cats got their own savage. No, it's, yeah, it's just savage. We're gonna you know colonize them, exactly. make them one of us. Well, let's, so let's, let's, but it's what Keith said: it's through propaganda, sure, it's through a whole sure. bunch of other but, indoctrination. But, but it's through propaganda and. Check it out. If you don't get down with what we're doing and what we're setting out here, you're going to get busted in the head. Yeah. You know so ultimately, the threat is But let's define the proverbial they, right? Because if we don't if we don't define sure. who the proverbial they is, it will always be a this is reason. Right. Proverbial they, the problem with that, right, and going down that rabbit hole of who they is, Sometimes they is us. Mm-hmm. Well, not at, n- not from an institutional standpoint of the the. the I do. The, I think so in the sense that once we, um, once we agree with their values and their principles and their standards, then we become a then part we of become them. Part oh yeah, of, but part of the, part but that's of the another discussion because we were we don't get that education. We indoctrinated, but into we weren't per se indoctrinated to this from day one. Some of us was, there always was a percentage of us who were. But what I mean in the sense of to impose this level of violence where everybody bows down, um, you it has to be hitting from all angles. Religion, social, political, economic. And we weren't in those conversations from an American standpoint. We, we were the outlier in, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of regards. And some of us could be used... They, look, there always was a Condoleezza I, I, Rice. There always was Obama. But it, always... You know what, though? The, 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 I guess my, con- my concern with that, though, right, is that we're not taking responsibility for Buffalo soldiers. Oh, yeah. We're not taking mm-hmm. responsibility mm-hmm. for those, those African-American soldiers who were told that, hey, listen, you fight for us, you, you get, get your freedom. Oh, yeah, you get your freedom. You get your freedom. Mm-hmm. The, now, being a part of that conversation, right, makes you part of an institution or a system, whether you agree. No, with, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But at the that I get that. But at the same time, there also was those indigenous nations mm-hmm. who were enslaving us too. Absolutely. Like there was a re, there was you can easily convince someone to be a black buffalo soldier because but, of the environment but, that but was I, going on. I would argue also no, right. that the, that the buffalo soldier um, sort of argument could be, you know, like if if you got to choose. If you're in a position where, yo, it's it's pretty but bad you only, circumstances. You so let's, let's just let's just you define I mean? Buffalo. But Buffalo soldiers, for anybody who's listening who's mm-hmm. not aware, Buffalo soldiers were the black soldiers who, um, during the westward expansion, they were the soldiers who were fighting the natives, mm-hmm. the Native Americans or the indigenous American people who were already um, 
uh, occupying them. Yes. Right. And, and they were Native Americans <clears throat> who were enslaving black people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it was, it was so, but what I'm saying is that the, how we got to this point is that everything that's been a part of American culture and the fiber was about violence. So with us being complicit at times with it, being complacent, fighting it at some times, Regardless of that, America got put in a position because of its com- comfortability with violence. Remember, mm-hmm. European nations, because mm-hmm. of our Haitian brothers and sisters mm-hmm. who accepted what violence was right. and fought and got what scared mm-hmm. the shit out mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. European nations to get out of the transatlantic right. slave mm-hmm. trade. Right. Who didn't get out of that trade? Right. America. Right. And you know right. why America didn't? Because they, they was violent. comfortable with violence. <laughs> right. And the objective. So, sure. so that. So it this conversation about violence and the history of violence, and it, it ultimately is a, is a, is also a conversation about control. Yes. And the reason why violence is so important is because um, whoever is in control, whoever had, whoever can exert the most mm-hmm. violence, yeah, cool. can control so, resources, mm-hmm. money. Right. And so we talk about control. And this is this is kind of like the conversation that Kenny, you and I was having about um, this recent police shooting on Utica Avenue down yeah. the block, right? Where you know that 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 is a very to me that's a very tricky situation. Yeah, where it's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's very tricky where you have the conversation about control, mm-hmm. right? And the con- when um, when somebody is running down the street. Allegedly, simulating, there, violence. simulating, simulating violence. violence, and somebody's running down the street, and, they, and then apparently is pretending is to have a gun and shoot at people, right? Um, and the police show up; they don't have control. Their first means of gaining control is what violence. violence. They shoot him down. My concern with that narrative was that I thought that that was a very different narrative than right. The you know then then the conversation on Ferguson, um, Trayvon Martin, and those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. However, I think that in having a conversation with Kenny, Kenny's position was: listen, why isn't the first instinct to show up and assess the situation? Right. I don't know that there's time to assess the situation because mm-hmm. I'm not there. I'm not a police officer, mm-hmm. and that's not even my value system to be like police is not. And, 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 and my point was that. In that particular situation, how violence, that's that's a outlier of American violence, and that outlier of American violence is dominated by race. Right. Because, you know, you have all kinds of scenarios where people who are non-color Americans or whatever, where they don't get that reaction from the state, even in their most vulnerable position, mentally or whatever, emotionally. But what what I what I really want us to understand is that America is look, has anyone ever noticed that most of the wars that America uh, starts or is involved with has nothing to do with anyone unless they're of color? Like most of the, the, the bombs that are being dropped and the 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 war strategies that are being implemented in the Pentagon, they're not with European countries. Like most of the areas of violence and the hotbeds of violence around right. the world are Country. places of color. Right. So at some point, Europeans were warring with each other, mm-hmm. but as soon as they were able to get out of that stage, they never looked back. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So what, you know, now violence is, we receive violence in a certain way. So the danger with black men and black women particularly black men, I'll say, because we have domestic violence. Mm -hmm. With black men, we are adopting the strategies of our oppressor. So the interesting thing is, is that everything, from my perspective, from my listening, I've been hearing like a lot of these violent situations stemming from economics. And I know, you mm-hmm. know, that might be diving too far into it, mm-hmm. but I think epic, <clears throat> I don't know. Right. So, but, but this is the interesting thing. The situation that we're talking about on Utica seemed to be a slight departure from, vi- from an economic perspective. I think violence. it's a cultural thing, right? You know what happens in the upper East side with the crazy guy mm-hmm. who's prone to outbursts. The community comes together and they find a place. Talking down, right? 
and that. Oh, and you know what happens in a, in a where where a, in a police de- a department or or a law enforcement environment where the goal is to actually be a part of the community to protect the community. The police officer who who who's on the foot patrol there, who knows the community and who knows this person, he knows it. They know that crazy. this person. They they know that this person probably doesn't have a gun, mm-hmm. and they're actually aware of what. He's already in the rolodex of, of law enforcement. Right. And but when somebody calls, the local they're not police calling, officers they're, they're knew not, who he were. Yeah, but, not, but there is no call, such thing as local police officers in our community. Yeah. There, there's a there's a there's a rotation of guys who are on RDO or off RDO and they rolling. Some of them are young, some of them are middle, some of them are older. They they just rolling. They, yeah, that's not a, it's not a community. It's not community policing. And when you call, you're not calling nine one one and saying, "Hey, there's a crazy guy with a gun." Yeah, mm-hmm. you're calling. You're saying, "Hey, Phil, Phil. I, are you working today?" Because such and such is off his meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it becomes a completely different right. situation. But but. Our communities are fragmented like that where we don't feel the need or the desire or the want to say, yo, this is our thing right? because we've been beaten down by what? Violence. Violence. But you know what's interesting, you know, Keith, you started off the conversation by saying that people who are the most insecure Mm -hmm. are the most violent, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I feel like the situation on Utica, this guy who was mentally ill and probably physically not capable of a lot of different violent situations that we're mm-hmm. talking about. And so I feel like maybe that situation was him just enacting what we were talking about with the black gangsterism, mm-hmm. a manifestation or an imitation of black gangsterism. Look, look, look. In this neighborhood right here where we at, where the combine is at, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I don't see the kid anymore. Me and Phil used to have conversations about it. They were kind of animated. But he used to be a Down syndrome kid. <laughs> suffering Down syndrome. Who his whole vibe was gangster. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's an imitation of life. Like, it's an imitation yeah, of what so they I, see. I get that. Right, but right. but at some point we have to really take a step back and redefine what is our humanity. Mm-hmm. What is our manhood? What is our womanhood? What is our familyhood? Right. Because we're under extreme pressure to act like our oppressor. So on that note, let's uh, take a quick uh, music break um, and then we'll dip right back into the second half of our section on first section on violence. Yeah. The fuck? some interesting discussions during the break um, but you know the one thing I, I just want to kind of tie some threads together you know we left off um, talking about the history of violence in the, in the previous uh, segment and we talked about the most recent incident on uh, Utica Avenue in Crown Heights mm-hmm. uh, with a young man you know I remember back in the day um, in the early 90s late 80s a lot of crazy people walking around and all they did was dance because that was like the thing of the day for people to dance but now we're talking about black gangsterism that being like the fad of the day and now everybody wants to emulate that um, but I think what's interesting is you I got I got a problem with the term black gangsterism mm-hmm. that like the term that's black, American that's, gangsterism. Yeah, black gangsterism is a misnomer mm-hmm. first of all the thing that, that African or diasporic people have been and have been doing since since anybody can remember is we've always been fresh. 
Mm-hmm. Right? We've always been able to take whatever was happening to us and make it fresh. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that when you talk when you, you start talking about gangsterism, mob mentality, that don't really come from us. Right. What comes from us is making it fresh. Mm-hmm. Making it look good. And I think that um, you know, I, I just I just wanna make sure that we're completely in control of our language. And, and my thing with that is if black people were really the gangsters, mm-hmm. we would have knocked white people's head off a long time ago. <laughs> right. We are not those guys. The gangsters <laughs> have been proven to be those white guys. Mm-hmm. Some in suits, some mm-hmm. in spurs, some with cowboy hats, some robes. with hoods he says spurs. who are willing to destroy you. Whether it be drone, musket, whatever the weapon, or character assassination. So, man. so I, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I ain't with that gangster. These yeah. kids running around playing tough, nah. doing, you know, they, they accident. Play, what what they did Nas Rick Rick Ross said? Accidental murderers. Mm-hmm. That they, ain't real. Like, come on, man. Let's let's be yeah. honest about what's really going on in our communities, in our streets. Because you walk these hallways. In the courthouses every day right. in federal and state court where I'm at, mm-hmm. and you got a bunch of people crying, and most of the people crying are on the side of the defendant. Mm. So it's like it ain't it ain't what people think it is, and we're not that gangster as we as as much as we think we are. Some some people are gangsters. Some no, right. this they I are. would say Tony Rico's gangster, you're a gangster. Yeah, but yeah, like, look, there's, 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 but is it but is that the difference uh, in between like, violent gangsters? I don't like the word gangster like that cuz now we're making it fresh. When I say gangster is a horrible thing. When I say gangster cool meaning it. like I mean like tough. Like really about Straight. really yeah. about this like really like when like think about it, right? You have the United States of America informing and enforcing the state of New York informing and enforcing the city of New York against somebody, against, you know, a whole nation of people against one person. And typically, that one person is going to be Ken Montgomery, Tony Rico. But the person right, we which, represent don't got nothing. <laughs> right, right. But what I'm, my point is, is that when you are facing, when you're, when you're up against, when you're up against that amount of force and pressure and you face it fearlessly, that is something that's honorable. That's gangster. That's gangster. But, 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 but it would not like to use you don't like the term. You don't like the term. Let me tell you a form of gangster. <laughs> Obama and Eric Holder was gangster. You know why? I can't because argue with that. Because they was dropping drones on American citizens. 16-year-old kid looking for his father. I can't argue that. He gets blown to bits and pieces as an American citizen. And none of no black people jumped up. We we argue black excellence in that in that instance, mm-hmm. and 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 Holder, no matter how cool he is, he go on Desus and Miro. Right. Um, Comey is on Colbert. He's getting photo ops with Ghostface Killer, one of my favorite MCs. Method Man, one of the illest, most professional MCs, and we like, yo, that's cool. But yo, that was a dude who helped make sure mass incarceration is going on. Right. That's. That's gangster to make you think that's that okay. is gangster. Now, so what? I don't ever want to be called a gangster. You know what I want? And that's to be my argument. Anti-gangster, revolutionary, if anything. But let me say this about now. All right, I'm always on these tangents. But black, you said black ex- excellence. We were screaming <laughs> black excellence under Obama, right? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the standard for black excellence is not how well you do in a white system or white. And it's not how well you climb the ladder of white supremacy. The standard for black excellence is how well you do amongst your community mm. and how you uplift and advance that conversation. And so you're talking like about just the fluidity we, of it. Yeah, we get, uh, it's mm. like a misnomer. Black excellence is defined by how, by, by what school, what white school you went to or becoming the head of a white nationalist environment. That is, that doesn't, to me, that's not black excellence unless you're actually tearing shit down. And and it tears shit down. You gotta be comfortable with receiving some sort of violence, and you gotta be comfortable to some sort of end. So you said so. It sounds like gangsterism has to do with appeal. It's cultural. So like the likability of the individual doing the violent shit is the gangster shit. Is that is that? Uh, so so I mean, this is what I was gonna say on the break, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like I was thinking about that um, today. I had to go see a um, see a client on Rikers Island, and as I'm going across the bridge, 
I'm thinking about the effect of going to Rikers Island, what the effect is, what, what, what it's having on me, on my mental, right? Because the studies have shown that now that everything we see, everything we experience is not, it's not a neuron, it's not a pulse going through our brain, it's actually a physical impression on our brain, right? And so what, what is happening to me as I'm going across to Rikers Island and as I'm going across, I'm getting depressed. Not, I don't, you know, it's not presenting, like I'm not necessarily like feeling down, but I'm, but I feel, but you're aware of I yourself. feel an oppression on me as I'm entering that space, right? And as I see the inmates outside cleaning, I'm feeling the oppression. As I see the officers kind of like not, um, not being empathetic or sympathetic, maybe in some senses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's having an effect on me. When I go to, and I see my client, my client's expression as he's being, as he's in shackles, as he's being led to me, right? All of that is having an effect on me. And what I'm thinking, when I'm thinking, when it's, while this is happening, I'm like, wow, like, I don't even practice that much criminal law. And the, most of the criminal cases that I'm getting now are on the federal side. So my experiences are on the state side are a little bit less. But for somebody who is fighting day in and day out for these people who are incarcerated, mm -hmm. like Kenny, when I, right. when I, I'm thinking about what effect is that having? Like, or what type of person is he to be able right. to deal with that day in and day out? Mm -hmm. And that's a form of violence, right? right, right when you right. see your people, when you see yeah. everybody that looks like you, Jammed up, jammed up yeah. and everybody that's white okay right all the time that's a form of violence and that has a that has a social that has that has a uh that has an effect on you that that you know i haven't necessarily processed but mm -hmm. i know that it means something my, my concern with that is that we ultimately and i'm talking about a community that we speaking to because right. everybody isn't listening to us and mm -hmm. we're not we're not speaking to everyone is that um, ultimately people become complacent amongst violence. And mm -hmm. I've seen it a lot. I've seen it in the hood. I've seen it in the non-hood. Um, I remember I got cut in the face. I got like 75 stitches here. They call them butterfly stitches. I remember going out everybody like, oh, you got butterfly stitches. For, for, the, for the listeners, when you say here. I got cut in the chin. Okay. Fighting. Um... Brooklyn versus Harlem at Martin Luther King High School, probably around 1992, 91, I don't know, 91, 92. Um, and I remember after I got cut, all my, all my homies, particularly the older homies who I looked up to, who I looked up to them because they was willing to disseminate violence in a way in a, and at a time mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, I get it, was like, yo, dogs, you got to cut somebody. You got cut. So you got to... You got to cut somebody. And I remember soon after that being... Uh, no, before that, I remember I was primed for violence because before that, I remember at 12 years old um, being present while one uncle took out a shotgun and shot another uncle in the head. Mm -hmm. His brother. His own brother. Beautiful brother both of them and um killing his brother mm -hmm. shot his brother and two weeks later his brother died um i remember how that cloud of darkness and violence kind of consumed me where i was cool with cutting people who i didn't even know um and 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 it uh it had an effect on me at the time and i was only 15, maybe 16. Witnessing your uncle. No, I was 12 witnessing my uncle. I was maybe 15, 16, cutting people who mm. I was getting back at whatever some shit what that was happened feeling. to me. Right, right. You know? um, and I remember how easy it was to get comfortable in that space, but also at, at the same time how dark it was. And I don't know if that was my intellect working on me at the time but you know we have to not be comfortable 
with situations that we don't think are comfortable. Right. And I want to actually break a little premature because um, I think the next section probably will be a little mm-hmm. lengthy because I want to kind of tie, I think we could tie a few things together. So we're going to take a, a quick music break. We're going to come back and uh, we're going to continue on with some of these stories that we uh, started um, in this segment. So um, we're going to jump right, right back in. Um, so what I want to talk about, you know, the consequence of violence, the effects of violence, the visible scars, visible scar, all of that. Um, so I remember, I just want to kind of lead in. I remember being in middle school and hearing like a thump, thump, thump from the opposite end of the fucking hallway, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm walking down the hallway, I see this kid that I just left health class with standing up flailing his fucking arms and he's kicking a kid in the face mm. from my neighborhood you know I didn't really know him too well so I couldn't come to his defense but that shit fucked with me man and that violence had nothing that was the it wasn't directed right. at me mm-hmm. I was just a witness but it had an effect so you know I'm just interested in like you know some of you guys are more near and dear to violence than I am that sounds fucked up but it, right. you know um, I mean but it's the truth like some people some people are closer to violence than we all are Yo, you I'm, know? I'm up next to violence way more in my entire life when I think about it than I would like to be mm-hmm. um, from growing up in Brooklyn Brownsville Crown Heights Bed-Stuy these are all areas that I had time with. Marlton, New York, all Queens, um, Hampton, Virginia. Um, I've been around it. And as a, as a professional, I've been around it. And I've been in Rikers. I've been in MDC, MCC. I've been in jails across, the, federal jails across the country, state, state jails across the country. Um, Violence is, is um, we're very normalized to it. Um, I, and I, I don't know what to say beyond that, other than, you know, the thing that's helped me is my, my personal compass. But I know through life, everybody's personal compass gets, the calibration on their personal compass get, gets... You get a little wacky, right? A little wacky. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, I mean, one of the things that I've, you know, it's been my own personal kind of experiment in dealing with violence or or how violence presents itself in my life is I've tried to be, um, I've tried to respond to violence with vulnerability in a weird way, right? I know that sound, doesn't sound like it makes sense, but the more that I am um, able to be transparent with myself, the more that I'm able to be vulnerable with my community, it allows me to kind of be a bit more clearer mm-hmm. um, about what's happening. And it, uh, it, 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 I think it allows me to be a little bit more clearer in how to respond mm-hmm. to what's happening. Now, what that does, though, is that when you, when you make yourself vulnerable, you know, it's a sacrifice because you're putting yourself out there in exchange, right? So, so, so I think that, um, and we've seen our, our ancestors have done it. Right, 
when faced with violence, they've made themselves vulnerable. Not saying that they've made themselves weak or that they've retreated um, from violence by being vulnerable, but what they've done is they've, they've been able to confront it for what it is and the root of it and speak to it and deal with it and not just with other people, but with themselves. And I think that um, for me, it's, it's been something that I've been kind of like working through. Yeah, it's funny you say that because you you just made me think of something that I actually didn't want to think of. Um, I remember as a young child, um, my 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 parents had a very volatile relationship. They were two both beautiful people, and um, some people may not understand that. Some people may. Um, and I remember um, at some point it was a moment that was so volatile that I can only do what I had been cultivated to do at the time, which I was very young. I was maybe four or five, maybe five, six. And I, I had I had yelled out, you know, and anybody who knows me now, they would be like, what, nigga? <laughs> I said, I yelled out, God. And my father, at the time, said, yo, God can't help you. <laughs> yeah. He was like, God can't help you. And he had said, yo, yeah, you know, your mother wanted to abort you. Wow. And this was the admit, that was my, that was my um, idea of trying to bring vulnerability to the situation. Right. Not for myself. Right. But, but to calm things mm -hmm. down. Because you thought he might respond to that. That shit ain't work. Right. Ain't nobody responding to that shit. Wow. Right. My, I, I said that. My father said that. And my mom said, you dirty motherfucker. To you? No, to, to him. Mm. Like, you gonna say that shit amongst right. my son? Like, mm. you know, uh, my child, whatever. And, um... It made me realize, and, and it, it helps when I think about it now, it helps, I guess, me understand myself as a person. Um, yo, everyone does what they think they feel they need to do at that particular to survive, moment. To survive, right. yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Right. That makes me one question, like, you know, like, is violence second nature? In the sense of, like, you know, it... No, it's not. But uh, when it comes but for around, survival, but see, I, I don't know. I, I, listen, here's you know I, I I don't know. I do know that I'm in these courts every day, federal and state court, and there's way too many black people comfortable with violence, right? For the wrong reasons. Well, that's because the, well, the, also the veil hasn't been lifted on many of us, right? No. And so we walking around in the facades, right? Like, so, we, so, so there, there are people who are violent towards other people, who think that they are the victors in some yeah. form of competition. Yeah. But it, actually, they are, be they the violent, They are the victims of their own violence, and that's what I mean too by being vulnerable, right? Is by understanding that our actions don't just have these consequences, our intended consequences. Our actions have unintended consequences. <clears throat> other people's, other people's actions have unintended consequences. And if we start understanding how symbiotic our relationship is to one another, then we, then we start to respond to violence a little bit differently, right? Like, you know, and it, I can't talk too much about this current case, this current criminal case that I have, but it's it's an incident of violence. Right. And it's an incident where something happened to somebody where it wasn't intended for it to mm. happen to them. Right. And processing that with a client, processing that with a family is incredibly painful. It's incredibly hard. But if it doesn't happen then those things repeat themselves. Right. And I think that our community, and once we start looking at each other differently, and we start looking at each other in our symbiotic state, we start realizing that all of our actions are affecting all of us. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's what, you know, that's kind of like... It requires the, a higher thing. Yeah. Right? But that's, you know, that, that also requires a, a level of vulnerability. Are we willing to sacrifice some of our comforts for somebody else's? Are we capable 
to be, you know, the absolutely. Sacrament. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just it's, it's I mean, at a certain point, right? This thing, this 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 selfish existence that we currently uh, that we currently reside in, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. This this thing, no, it's not what we're doing is not sustainable. It's not. It hasn't been for a long time. It's not sustainable. So uh, I guess, what's the alternative? I think that so this so so I think what Kenny just the story I know this is gonna sit with me for a while, but the story of of doing the thing that you probably have been most averse to since you could remember, but saying God, mm-hmm. right? And that in that violent circumstance, right? And then seeing it seeing how that played out, um, I think was an exercise, right? And I think, you know, that we can parse so much out from, from that experience, right? But I think that that exercise lets us know what we need to do. Right. We need to be communicating. Mm-hmm. And communicating is not so much about just talking, right? Communicating is about and being, um, being inten- so intentional in listening, right? And hearing one another. Because when when you, when when I hear you, mm-hmm. right, I see your humanity. And but I'm gonna tell you that, when I, when I did that, when I saw that it didn't get the response that I thought mm-hmm. as a child. My innocence took over and my intellect took over. And I was like, yo, fuck that. Damn. But you know what you probably did? When you said God, you probably indicted your dad. So In the a way, idea of the idea of wait, he's holding that? <laughs> he's holding that? Like me. that that was mm-hmm. that might have been your form. You might have seen it as your outcry. But that to him that might have been seen as a form of violence. Like, wait, you went no, 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 no. Violence he, against him. No, and yeah. he and he provoked his whole prov- provocation after that was like, yo, little nigga, what? <laughs> yo, <laughs> God, yo, let me give yeah. you this little tidbit. But then the right. funny thing is, you did pause the violence for a se- uh, for, for a, minute. a hot, hot second, second, and right. that shit kept going. That shit's wild. And it never relented, and it kept going till the day he died. Mm. Mm. And me and Phil found my pops dead. And wow. it wasn't so much physical violence that killed him, but it was the uh, mental and emotional violence that was around him all the time. They kind of helped dug at him. And I don't make no excuses for him mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I also know my pops came from a special space. Right. Um, um, but um, that helped me navigate through growing up in Brooklyn being born in 1972 mm. and, and Brownsville was Brownsville Heights right. that style. That's I was all over the place until my parents <laughs> bought a house in Marlton like I was all over the place mm-hmm. I grew I grew up with killers shooters gangsters hustlers suckers smart people clowns intellects I grew up with everyone you could think of it was layered so when people start talking that, yo, man, I grew up in the hood, man. Yo, man. Yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you grew up around all kinds of shit, man. Right. You right. paid attention to some shit and mm, some shit you, you didn't. didn't. Period, point blank. And that was on your choice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I get it. And I yeah, get it. Yeah, I definitely, I was grew up in the heart of Brownsville. Mm-hmm. But I knew. You was right there, son. I you was right there in the plazas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew from a very young age that I was not a tough guy. Right. Yeah, I, I would absolutely that. defend myself. Right. And I know how to throw my hands, but I'm not a tough guy. But there is right. no I'm tough not. guy. That's the shit that I'd be wanting to explain to the young people mm-hmm. and the people that I see. There's no tough yeah. guy. Listen, I, I talk to the real gangsters. You know what the real gangsters tell me? What's that? Yo, Ken, we was a prey. Mm-hmm. We was a prey to this system. But you know what's funny? Like, even, even uh, John Ramsey was saying uh, d- during that uh, interview that we had with him. Was that you know he just had to adapt to the environment when he when he went behind when the when doors yeah, closed were, yeah. he adapted to the shit code shift yeah, yeah. you got yeah, that's, code shift. that's yeah. what we do we you the can't do that shift. then you done right so now that's that's interesting survival so, so it's survival so is violence is a, is a, is a form of code switching 
And the, and Western culture it is. Yeah. Because that's the thing that we dominated with the most. Violence. No. Listen, but... listen, not even yo, sports. It's not violence, but it is violence. It's entertainment. It's entertainment violence. Right. So even in our world, where do where does virtue, courage find itself? Character. If character. Mm-hmm. It finds itself integrity. It finds itself in these wild boxing match. Right. Or in MMA the military. match. Military. Right. So are we okay with violence and entertainment? Nah. Entertainment Me personally, violence? I'm not in, I'm not okay with none of this shit. I ain't okay with violence and I'm not okay with anything that we're not thinking and trying to figure the, what it is and the and the impression that's left on people who don't have um, the tools necessary to figure it out, I'm not with it. I think violence observed without uh, a symptomatic lens mm-hmm. or a lens that is that that is trying to understand it, mm-hmm. I think is dangerous, right? right? And I think that it informs some other animalistic um, nature. Um, violence just for the sake of observing violence right is going to be dangerous mm-hmm. but I th- you know so um, but what is the point of entertainment is the point of entertainment for us to enjoy ourselves or to distract us I think it's this, the latter I think well, it's the latter I mean and, and, but that's know, just I, I don't know but, but it's my, contextual too my, my thing is that I'm not I don't trust anything that's given to us in a massive format um, Format. That's mm-hmm. a fact. That's I don't assumption. Yeah. Like, and, and, and if Beyonce impossible. falls in that, so be it. If right. Jay falls in it, so be it. If some of my greatest MCs who I fuck with fall into it, mm-hmm. so be it. I'm not with it because right. I understand what's at stake. Mm-hmm. And somebody had to let that message get through. Yeah. Somebody. It's like that impossible burger. Impossible burger. And impossible. At the, and, and, impossible burger is GMO. Yo, and at the end of the day, I, I don't want nothing. Right. I don't want nothing from this this system or machine. And I'm not saying, yo, follow me either. But people think that because you don't agree with this, you mm-hmm. are like, yo, follow me. I'm the new Jim Jones. Nah. Yo, cool. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, you you what you encouraging people to do, I think what we all encouraging people to do is just ask some fucking questions. Yeah, ask questions and, and think. Figure that shit and figure out. that yeah. shit out. Yeah, 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 and if yeah. your whole existence is you only simply like this person mm-hmm. and your existence is to defend why you like this person. Yo, we live in this day and age where we watch shows mm-hmm. that have people tell us why violence is okay. Right. Why America should have bombed that Yo, space. We were talking about this the other day. Remember how back in the days, what was it? Was it Moonlighting? Mm-hmm. What was the show with? No, it was Max Hedrum. Oh, Max wow. Hedrum. Yes, yes. Yes. And it was, so, it was so insane. Moonlight was Bruce Willis. Too. Right, right. It was so insane to think about a show where... Um, where all you were doing was watching a talking head. Mm-hmm. But now... That's all that's it is. That's all it is. Yo, look, you watch, yo, you watch entertainment shows mm-hmm. to tell you what they why think. you should be entertained mm-hmm. about entertainment. You watch sports <laughs> shows for guys to tell you how you should feel about sports mm-hmm. shit that you know about. And what they should have did on the court. rumor-based shows to laugh. Like, we are in a world where we're... Like, Everything's being like, programmed. I remember right. growing up where I was intrigued by when they said, damn, there's a part of your brain you don't use. <laughs> <laughs> but you realize now, people, the shit that you use, you're comfortable with people telling you how to use that shit. Right. That's just wild. That's just So wild. it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to uh, make anyone uncomfortable. I don't want to make anyone... Why not? Of course. But if that's you, that's you. Yeah, but I, but I mean, in the sense of, like, I'm, yo, I'm super, yo, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super cool. Like, however this shit go, like, I'm okay. But it's like, we live in this world where everything is is centered around making someone a, right. comfortable. Someone who doesn't even deserve to be comfortable well, is being, comfortable. The, the, the thing is that the comfort is, is the problem, Right. Us being in our comfort zones is the problem. Mm-hmm. We don't. The only time that you grow is when you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When you're comfortable, it means that you, you just and, 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 and for me, 
personally bringing this back to what we talked about and we're going to be talking about for the next episodes so if you don't want to hear what we're talking about tune out listen to some other shit <laughs> tune in just cause tune in whatever but <laughs> violence has made everyone slaves mm. yeah and on that of it. and on yeah. that note I want to end that you know you know Kenny said he loved us so let's go ahead and stop it there. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? On some mushy <laughs> shit. So um, stop the violence. Show some love. Um, but we're going to continue this conversation um, for the next few episodes. I don't know how many we're going to do. I guess we're going to exhaust we're gonna, it. We're going to exhaust it. We're going to exhaust this shit. So, um, you know, we're going to get back into some tunes. We wanted to say thank you all for tuning in this uh, for this week. And uh, we'll this see you all. It's the Brooklyn Combine. We'll see you on the next.